welcome, welcome, welcome to Cotton in the Rocket Ship. I'm your host, Lennox Mars Jr. I want you guys to fasten your seatbelts because we are going on another ride. This is the third installment, episode three, and this one is called Child of the Marooned. Um, just to give you a little background history of Child of the Marooned, it was, um, it's coming from a book of mine that I'm creating called Cotton in the Rocket Ship. And this is what the podcast is directly about. So if you're now tuning in, the podcast is going to be, uh, well, the first parts of it is going to be parts of the book. And then I'm going to give you some installments of some interviews and some things that um, that I'm interested in as well. But this is going to be um, a, another round of the book. And I hope you guys enjoy. Once again, I'll just give you a little background information of Cotton and a Rocket Ship. It was based on my life. Um, it's based on my observation of things around me. And um, here we go. This piece is called Child of the Marooned. Joseph Brothers pulled him out of a cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Book of, Genef- Book of Genesis 37:26. I traveled to a few tribes to ask at my home. I traveled here by myself. Look how big I have grown. They said, welcome back, my son, but your village is down the road. Auntie, but what am I? She said, you will find out when you walk further. I walked till I saw a derelict village. The faces seem familiar, although I am changed. Speech, mannerisms, and name. I smile for now. I'm glad to be home. But later, over dinner, we will speak of my pain. Thank you. That was Child of the Marooned. Um, Just to give you a little director's cut, because that's one thing I will give you is some director's cuts of Child of the Maroon. Um... If you don't know, uh, being a Maroon is, um, there were several um, groups of people called Maroons. Um, There were those in Guyana and Suriname. There were the Maroons in um, Jamaica, uh, Nanny Town. Um, They have a very rich history. And I would dare say, I would say Haiti, they had Maroons and they were very successful in the Haitian revolution. So the Maroons were basically Africans who were uh, enslaved and they were able to fight off um, their colonization efforts where they were. So um, the individuals who were in Guyana, they they fought off um, the Dutch. Um, Those in Suriname, they fought off the Dutch as best they could. Um, And and they had some success fighting off their, um, their captors. So that, that was the same thing in Jamaica. Jamaica, they were successful. Um, and then they made a province called Nanny Town. Nanny was um, a, a black woman, a, a woman of African descent. Um, they don't know her last name, but they just called her Nanny. And there's a whole village that was named after her because they, she, she led the revolts and she was very successful in organizing men. And um, which is not unique in the suffrage of, of Africans and um, the West Indies and Africans in the Americas is that, you know, women always played a significant role in our, um, 
our success and our survival. So women all always took a leadership role. Um, of course, there were men too. Um, you can name a lot of men in the annals of time, but I just wanted to highlight that, you know, women did play uh, a successful role in in revolting and slave revolts and um, and being successful in in um, in, in gathering and in gaining their freedom in some a- in some aspect in some aspects they lost um, they made the attempt they were successful in the actual revolt itself but they didn't they weren't able to sustain the movement because they couldn't um, build crops or they just didn't have any connection to Africa after they were um, they were successful, so they weren't. There was no way to contact um, their province or their their places where they came from. And I, I want people to understand that when you talk about slavery and when you talk about um, the the way it was it was manufactured, a lot of times people just say they just took bodies. Um, but I've read several documents. Um, and they're all they're all public information. Whether you go to EBSCO host, um, or you can go in the, the the Library of Congress, and you can look up some of these these uh, records. And they they often discuss um, the like these sailor these sailor logs and these journals, and they have a lot of journal entries. And it and they discuss the the way in which they acquired slaves and I you know I say this um, it, for them it was no more than uh, acquiring cargo but cargo with a, a purpose we, you know they call it chattel but the way they acquired slaves is that they would mix up a lot of different uh, slaves from different provinces that spoke different languages because they it it limited the the chance of revolt because if you spoke say if I spoke Fulani or you spoke Hassa or you spoke Igbo and I spoke a, a, a different language, you know, all in West Africa, because once you, you have to understand that Africa is, is tribal, um, not tribal in the sense they always had a, a government, but tribal in the sense that these people coexisted for a long time, but they never spoke their, their other language. So you, you may get, um, they may get several, well, say out of 200 people on a boat, they would mix it up 50, 50, 50. Well, we get 50 from this tribe, 50 from that tribe, 50 from this tribe. And um, they would make it their business to not have them speak the same language. So that way um, the slaves wouldn't cut their throats during, during uh, the night if there wasn't a, 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 a revolt on the ship or a mutiny on the ship. The other thing, too, I want to highlight in slavery is that... Um, they just didn't pick bodies. They they picked bodies um, based on skill. So if they needed sugarcane, which that's what was popular in the West Indies, um, Haiti being very um, Haiti was a very lucrative um, island for the French um, because they produced sugar. Um, uh, Guyana was one that produced sugar, and in in North America. Uh, of course it was cotton and um that's what i named the book after cotton in the rocket ship um parts of the book 
but once you you have to realize that they gathered bodies based on their skill set so if you were agrarian society if you were good with planting they would say which village had the best planters which village had the best if i needed builders which builders had the best carpentry or the best artisans and then they would go ransack these villages and take who they wanted because they knew that in this bunch in, in, in this village they would have at least two to three hundred people who were skilled in some sort of of building or some some skill that i would need um in order to um to be successful in the yield of whatever crop or whatever building that I'm trying to produce. So I want people to understand that slavery wasn't just like spray and pray thing. It was, um, it was very calculated. It was very um, logistical in the way the, the books were, were written and set and how um, even when slavery was abolished, how they would change, they would go to the West Indies and change the names um, of the cargo so if you had a manifest they would change the manifest when they got over to slavery so kind of like um uh if you're familiar with trucking they had these truckers if they they have two books they can't be on the road for more than i guess more than 24 hours and they have to take a rest but you know some truck drivers and this was this is also to limit the number of accidents that truck drivers had so they have to spend only a little limited time on the road and they would log their 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 manifest some some trucker truck drivers would get passed out by having two books so if they had two books they would just if they were pulled over by the police they would flash the book that they didn't use and they would go on driving um whether to the detriment or the detriment of the people on the road but it's almost the same thing they would just cook the books um, for these slaves and then change the names and change the manifest so that way um, they can get past and the cargo was um, getting through to where it needed to go so this was big business and I, I want people to understand this was trillions of dollars um, and, and not only that um, a lot of the, the companies are still in existence who traded slaves um, I won't go into that now but um I just want you to understand that this was not, this was something calculated and it was planned. Um, and we were the, we are the recipients of, of this, um, these decisions. So I, I'm going into the child of the maroon and I started off with uh, Joseph. If you're familiar with the Bible, Joseph was um, a favorite son, favorite son of his father. And um, his brothers didn't like him. Um, because he was favored They threw him in a well But they realized that the well was going to kill him They didn't want to kill their brother um, But they said you know what um, Father Is going to be displeased um, So they basically sold, sold him to a slaver And then they told the father that he was Out um, He was out um, Shepherding And a lion attacked him A wild beast attacked him and killed him and they, they ripped off a piece of his cloth and gave the father um, later down the line you will understand Joseph becomes beloved um, after you know he, he he is a slave and then he would become favored by the Pharaoh but um but just going into how Joseph was sold in the Bible there's always this reference between you know gold and silver you know silver's um, silver is is a uh, is a message that you know those who 
um, usually sell you out. They sell you out for no gold. They always sell you out for silver. And um, Joseph was literally sold, the, and he literally sold for 20 pieces of silver, and um, which is a rather cheap amount for the skills that and the things that he did in his lifetime. So I go in to say, I traveled a few tribes to ask, am I home? So going back, um, not knowing who I am, being a grown man, I'm asking um, my elders that, um, where do I come from? Because here I am trying to pick up the pieces. Um, I traveled here by myself. And look how big I've grown. So I come here. I'm, I'm looking around. Um, I see people who who look like me, but not quite me. You know, you meet people who who resemble you, and you're you're not able to relate. And so that's being um, an African American in society is that you have this you have these distinct features. You have this distinct look. Um, you may even innately be African, but you don't know how deep your roots go, or you you don't know the truth behind it. And um, you go into saying, "Look how big I've grown." You you've you basically um, you grew up without um, almost being like a mother or fatherless child. You grew up. And they, they welcome you back. They say, welcome back, my son. Um, but your village is down the road. And so you go to a village, and then he said, Bonati, what am I? And then then they just tell you, go walk further. So this uh, it's almost like um, your journey is incomplete. And then when you finally get there, you realize that um, things aren't the same. Um, it's you're, you're in a rundown village. And, and the reason why you're in a rundown village is because when when slavery happened, um, uh, Africa wasn't the victors of, of slavery. You know, um, whether it um, I'm familiar with the t- the types of slavery that Africa was involved in, um, and inadvertently they may have given a lot of their strength and then when they couldn't stop it um, and when they were outgunned and they, they were just getting the people stolen away from them they, they couldn't do anything about it but in the beginning these the, the slaves were being given rightfully so um, because of the type the type of um, slavery that was was different like so if a war so the back, some of the background knowledge is so if a war happened in Africa um, and there, there were prisoners of war, after a certain duration of time, these um, prisoners, whether it be male or female, they would end up um, having a, a, like an, an indentured servitude, so to speak. That's the closest thing I could, could give to it. And then they would become part of the society. So after a, a number of years of, of servitude, they would become a part of the society and then they would get land and then they would be able to get land and title. Um, I guess when the Europeans came in, they thought that that would be the same uh, thing they would be, be offered to their slaves because remember back then, slavery is, there's not, slavery is, is not a new thing. Western society, slavery is not a new thing. Before 
there was African slavery, there were the Germanic tribes, there were um, many different tribes. There was slavery in the Middle East. Um, there's 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 countless um, documents on slaves. Um, so um, I know today in today's society, slavery is synonymous with black bodies and and those of African descent. But even the term slave comes from Slavic. Um, so I want people to understand that slavery is not a new thing. This is not a new occurrence. This is slavery is like one of the oldest professions. It's like prostitution, it's slavery, and then um, gambling or something like that. It, it's all it's all old professions, all old things. So this is not something new, but it it has um, permeated through our um, our society. So I go down to this derelict village and we, we, um, I see that the people look like me, but I'm different. I'm completely different. I'm, comp- I'm different in speech, mannerisms, and name. Um, and I don't think that makes a difference. Um, because they welcome me back with open arms. And, um, but there are some things to talk about. There's, there's, there's some things to talk about. Um, not at this moment in time, but there are some things to talk about and to discuss because um, even within the black community, we don't discuss the, the, uh, the slave trade. You don't discuss it in the terms in which you need to, in which that, um, um, that those on the mainland of Africa was complicit in in the slave trade as well. Um, and some people should have been held accountable for those actions and those things. Um, so I, I go into it saying that I will smile for now. I'm glad to be home. But later over dinner, I will speak of my pain. So basically, um, I'm going to tell you the journey that I've been through in order to get back here. Um, so the journey may have been... Um, been been arduous I may tell you that you know this is what I've been through and um I would tell you what I've what I've been through and I'm going to ask the question you know I can only imagine the question that you ask or what if this was a conversation between two people of of clearly of a, a family member is like why haven't you come back for me you know almost like that child who was abandoned by their mother or their father, it's almost like, why didn't you come back for me? You didn't even come look for me. Um, It's cool, I just wanted to meet you. Um, So that's kind of like where Childhood to Maroon comes from. It's um, a part of the beginnings of... um, It's pretty much the part of the beginnings of of where we are um, in the book. So in the book, I always talk about the beginnings in the beginning, you know, and I give or once again, I give a recollection of Joseph in the book of Genesis. So how he was sold off for 20 pieces of silver. So basically the, the sale of which we were sold off was probably little or next to nothing. But these were lives that you're talking about. So to be sold off for 20 pieces of silver and being um, and now coming back and seeing that the strength has left. Um, the village that I come from and so I think that's what Africa faced and I think that that is the sin of Africa Um, even before the western um, 
slave trade or what do you call the European slave trade there was an Arabic slave trade that was a thousand years prior to the the European slave trade and um, all the wars that Africa fought and all the bodies and lives that lost Africa is a shell of itself even though it's it's resource rich I believe it's a shell of itself because the strength your strength is always in your people one thing I learned from um, many other cultures that I've studied is that their people are their strength whether you look at the Japanese where you look at the Chinese where you look at the um the Middle Eastern whether you look at um you look at America you know um whenever there's a war in another country and you have some expatriates or you have some expats that live in another country you come to this embassy I'm gonna go get you out of there no ifs ands buts about it you know you can pay me back later you don't need we don't need to find figure out how you're going to finance this trip we got this uh 747 and you guys going to hop on this plane you bring you and your family even though your son may have been born in that country bring your family and you're going to be safe because that's what we do and that's what governments do um and i think that's what we have to realize is that your strength is always in your populace it's always in your citizenry it's always in your people um, and that's what we fail to do is that we've we you we've given away our strength because we've given away our people. They've wholesale us out, and you see all these countries who are who are strengthened by it. Um, even here in America, I would say, um, well, here in America, the island Jamaica, Jamaica has made um, has been a cultural revolution. They they have the fastest they. The fastest man on the planet, Usain Bolt. He's of West African descent, clearly because they have the runners. Um, they have a great culture, which they they were able to hold on to some of their Africanisms. They were able to make reggae music. Um, same thing with Guyana. Um, a lot of um, scholars come out of that country: Trinidad, Barbados, um, Dominica, Haiti, the Dominican Republic. You look at all of these these islands. Um, these islands have a lot of things in common is that they, they were islands that were touched down on in the European, the transatlantic slave trade. Um, you look at Brazil with the rich culture and you can see the, along that path, those West African people were able to, to keep some of their culture. And you can see that common thread throughout the Americas and throughout the islands coming up to North America where you see the African-Americans who were here. They make blues, they made jazz, they were contributors to 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 universities. All of that is is a is a byproduct of the transatlantic slave trade. And those were the best and brightest that no longer are a part of the African, well, I wouldn't say no longer a part of, but they were divorced from their their Africanisms and they were able to be something else. So now it's African-American, it's Guyanese-American or South American or um, Trinidadian-American or Jamaican-American or West Indian-American. It's, it's no longer the, the, the contributions of, of Africa, you know what I'm saying? Or what, what island or, I mean, excuse me, what country on the continent of Africa, um, it, it, it's now what it is. And that's, that's the sin of Africa. So I will go back to Africa and they want us to rebuild Africa. But, um, and 
and not for nothing, you know, the, the president of Ghana, Nana Dodo, he, he was very contrite in the apology. And I think they understand that as Africa comes into the newer um, development and in in their age of development, because right now it's a war between the United States and China on who who is going to be the world's superpower. And um, but after that, after this struggle, Africa is the place to be. It's always it's already projected because of the resources and, and all of the uh, the economic studies. But the greatest sin is that a lot of the contributors were e- either perished in the transatlantic slave trade, or they were they they no longer have that attachment to Africa, so they come back now as um, strangers. Um, not willfully, not not wanting to be strangers, but they become estranged in the relationship of of their Africanisms because they spent centuries away literally centuries away from Africa. So it almost um, becomes that you are no longer African, but only in features or in only in uh, innate mannerisms. Um, one thing interesting I always liked was um, James Brown met uh, Fela Kuti, and um, they both said they were like... Um, they, this was the this was the coolest and funkiest brother I ever met in my life. They both said that about each other. Um, this was probably in the 1960s um, when I, when James Brown went to Africa on tour, and he, he was able to meet Fela, and they they both shared a commonality of the of that funk. One being from mainland Africa, and the other one is is um, from the South, deep South. Um, and being originators and they both share that custom and culture and you you listen to them and you see like wow this music is very impactful and they they haven't even they probably would have probably came from around the same location or same tribe um it, it's amazing how um how you can see the commonality in the thread within the music and the culture and even in the food um but um, there's, there's always that, that ingredient um, that's missing. Um, so that, that's pretty much Child of the Marooned is uh, once again discussing um, race relations, but more so the internal race relations of it all because it's not just black and white or black and Asian or black and um, whatever. It's, it, you know, there's these internal struggles that also add to the the complexity of racism and uh, I just wanted to share that with you um, but once again thank you for tuning in I hope you like this piece and um, please rate subscribe and peace